God is good all the time. God is good. How many of you know that in the middle of everything on this earth, God is on his throne? Amen. He is never unseated from his throne. That's the, that's the promise and the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Um, just an honor to be here so much. I'm usually not here so much. I'm usually traveling a lot, and I've actually really enjoyed this season. Not the COVID. I've enjoyed the season of not having to travel so much. I'm pretty much fed up with the COVID. I'll be honest with you. That's just where I'm at. So I think uh, it just, yeah. Anyways, you probably know my thoughts. Um, a thought, uh, something I wrote that uh, our Papa Bill Johnson um, has said, any thought you have in your mind that does not inspire hope is rooted in a lie. Any thought that you have in your mind or goes into your mind, if it does not inspire hope, then it is rooted in a lie. We need to grasp the concept in these seasons and times that our thoughts need to be like His thoughts. Our ways must be His ways. Because it is so easy with all the turmoil and confusion Going around this world right now, it is easy to have fear come in, to have concerns or, or bad thoughts come in, to have insecurities come into our minds. And insecurity and fear is never, ever directive of the kingdom of heaven. It's not. So if there's an insecurity, it is not of God. God does not call us to be insecure. He actually calls us to be so secure in Him that everything else will take care of itself. Uh, I heard, I, I'm saying it probably wrong, uh, Papa Chris Volatin just had a video out and, uh, on social media. And it, fear is one of the best storytellers. Fear is good at telling stories. Do you know some people are really good at telling stories? You know what I'm saying? Usually public speakers are good at telling stories, but fear is one of the best storytellers ever. It has te it, fear tells so many stories that are lies, but so many people listen to it because we know a storyteller that is better, that supersedes any story told by fear. The thing is, is Jesus Christ is not a storyteller, he's a speaker of truth. And you see, the reality is so many people think that, that the storyteller is speaking truth or that the stories are true, but they're not. Some are, some aren't. The ones we read here in the Word of God, they are not just stories, they are factual truth. You see, there's a lot of stories being told out there that are not true, and we need to be able to have discernment in the strength, the power, the wisdom of God in us to discern fact, truth from lies. How many of you know there's a lot of untruths going on? When Linda was singing, uh, the band was singing, but Linda, her part in the song, uh, one phrase said, I will not be put to shame. What we're singing about is we're singing about God, about the Lord, but the reality is, as soon as we sang that, the Lord just quickened in my hearing, 
in my heart, and, and we're singing, he will not be put to shame, I will not be, but because he's in us, we will not be put to shame. And immediately I started to realize that, you know, there's a left side of, of bad going on right now. Like there's bad, and then there's left side of bad, which is really bad. And they have a hatred against Christians. They'll have a hatred against a different political party. They will have a hatred and feel like you are instantly their enemy because of what you believe. Now let me tell you something. They're a very loud vocal voice, but I feel as we were singing that this morning, the Lord laid on my heart, he will not be put to shame and you will not be put to shame for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing anyone can say about you or to you that will drive you into shame unless you open the door. Because shame is anchored in lies. Shame is anchored in lies. It is a stronghold of the devil. And so if you feel shamed by what someone is talking to you or shaming you about because of your religious belief, because of what you feel and know God in your life or the power of your testimony and someone is shaming you, and you start to feel shamed, it's a, perfect, it's a true sign immediately that you have opened the door for shame to be anchored in you. I say slam the door shut. Slam the door shut, yank out the anchor of shame, and throw it right back to hell where it belongs. Because even as believers, when we do something wrong or we make a mistake, you are never to be shamed for it. God doesn't look at you and shame you. He doesn't look and declare from the mountaintop of, of victory. Jesus Christ doesn't say, you are dumb, you're dumb, you, you shouldn't believe that, da, 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 da. No, 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 no. His whole heart is totally different and does not have shame in it because shame has never come from God. God never shamed Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve stepped into the choice of sin. The consequences of sin are not shame from the kingdom. Matter of fact, the consequences, if you and I make a mistake in the new covenant, if there's a sin that happened in our life, you are not to live in the shame of it. You are to live in the freedom of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in it. And we're to look at you and say, you know what? You might have made a boo-boo, but now that has become a lesson and a testimony that you will now be able to share with power and authority of the victory to everybody else around you. Maybe you've been drug addicted. You know what? When you have freedom in Jesus Christ, you become the powerful, most strong testimony of, of freedom out of drugs to everyone around you. Matthew chapter 14, 22. This is what Kevin shared. I got to read it. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to do something right now. Can we have a couple offering baskets up on the corner? each corner of the, of, the, of the platform here. I'm going to read a scripture that our pro presenter doesn't have in. I actually added some scriptures to my message this morning, and we're having a problem with our computer. It's actually too slow. It's, not, it's too old <laughs> to run the program properly. You know when we have to hesitate? 
That's not the person. That's the computer lagging. So they have to hit the next slide well before we get to the end of the first slide. So the computer can catch up and do it. And right now, it's interesting. The struggle our computer is having is we've hooked so many things to it. We're sending out so many signals because of social media and everything else that the computer is physically too small. And so whenever we pull up scripture verses, it bogs it down or crashes it. Ah, dirty devil. I'm just kidding. No, no. (laughs) And so I'm going to read a scripture verse because Kevin spoke it that they don't have, so open your Bibles or open your phones. But I'm putting these baskets up here because I didn't ask the team about this, but if you feel in your heart, we're about $2,000 to get that computer. We can just take it out of general, that's fine. But I feel in my heart that if... I'm sorry, $4,000. You know, times have changed from the last 20 years, you know. It used to be $2,000, but it is, yeah. Anyways, um, we, need to, we need to purchase something. So I'm just going to give you the opportunity. You can make checks out to Windward, uh, pay through Mass, whatever you want to do. But this is specifically to upgrade that crazy computer. And even if you don't give, we're going to do it in faith anyways. But I just thought, you know what? I'm not here to push you into doing a... Se- How many times have I ever done a second offering? Very, very, very rarely. But I felt it in my heart that it had connection to do with what Kevin brought Uh, in scripture. So let's just go to Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. This is talks where Jesus walks on the sea. This is not my message. This just came during during the worship and, uh, and when Kevin spoke. So verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Interesting how Jesus shoved his disciples to go to the other side of the boat. You can just bring it up anytime if you want to give. You don't have to. Don't feel pressured. Up to you. And people downstairs, they can give as well. If we have a, uh, a basket in our satellite church, we have a whole other uh, area, you know, for them uh, as a satellite church. So, uh-huh. And online, too, if you want to give, yeah. So, uh, and immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So you've got waves going one direction, wind blowing another direction. It's an intriguing perspective because when they were sleeping in the boat, it wasn't necessarily stated that way. As a a captain of yachts, it intrigues me. Whenever there is a wave going one direction and a wind blowing the opposite direction, a wave going one direction and a wind blowing the opposite direction. I sense sometimes in this world right now, there is a wave going one direction, but the wind of the Holy Spirit is going another direction. It will create steep and bigger waves. It confuses the sea because waves are built by wind. Wind blows across the water, it creates a wave. But the waves now generate and the wind can stop and you'll still have waves because of the the generation of power within within that wave. So now the wind is blowing contrary to the waves. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. That's right around 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning. Just 
sun come just light, like dusk or dawn, just starting, you know, the kind of that, that, that kind of dark, but yet still light. And he goes to them walking on the sea. Why did he walk on the sea? Because they took the boat. Verse 26. But you see, I think even in that, Jesus sent the disciples to go to the other side. The wind blows contrary to the waves. Jesus is walking probably with the wind. We'll say that's the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need a boat in the waves. Because he has faith and understanding to know that when you have to move and do something, you have to do it even if it's contrary to the waves. There's countries that I have gone into where the wind of the Spirit is blowing us even though it's contrary to the ways of law of that country. We call it an underground church. I'm not saying you go contrary to the laws. It doesn't give you freedom to go do 150 kilometers an hour in the wrong direction. No. What I'm saying is there are ways, laws, and orders that are contrary to the wind of the Holy Spirit. And at some point in time, I'm not saying to go against them, but at some point in time, we have to sing like no one can silence us. And when we were singing part of that song, I was sitting down there, and I'm thinking, no one's going to silence me. I might have to sit in my house all by myself, but I'm going to scream out that window. Oh, you can't cl- you gotta close the window because the COVID could get out. <laughs> I don't care. And I'll scream louder. I'll put speakers around the house. I'll do whatever I need to do. I got amplifiers and microphones and speakers, uh, and we can go put them into our back of my pickup truck with a generator. We'll close all the doors and wear our masks, but we're going to scream from the housetops that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And when the disciples saw him, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. Like, guys, be happy. You're, you're, you're getting tossed around in the confusion of the ocean, but I'm the wind of the Holy Spirit walking on the water right through it. And it ain't bothering me. Be happy because I'm probably going to come into your boat, which means it ain't going to bother you too. And that's like us receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we have him in us, the waves of this world don't bother us. But I love Peter. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He actually didn't say give me faith. He said, Lord, if this is you, Command me. In other words, tell me so I cannot refuse it. Command me. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But give me faith. No, you're not asking for that kind of faith. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Lord, if this is you, 
command me to come to you on the water. He didn't even just say, command me to come to you. He now wants what Jesus has walking on the water because Jesus didn't seem affected at all by the storm. So now he's not just saying, command me to come. He's actually going the next level in a faith that is guaranteed to be heard by God. He says, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, come. (laughs) Why would you not want to come? Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. How many of us know that's some of the greatest faith in the Bible? But when was it? In the middle of a storm. When the Holy Spirit, the winds were blowing contrary to the waves of the earth. The wind you can't see, you can only see the effect. But the waves are of the earth. But what happened in verse 30? But when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, in other words, the waves and the seas were boisterous, he was afraid. What happened? Peter. And beginning to sink. Why did he begin to sink? Because he got fearful. Beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Originally, the cry was, command me to come on the water. Command me to walk in the supernatural like you. To walk in the power of the Holy Spirit like you. But as soon as his focus got off of that, of Jesus and the miraculous, he looked to the world. The waves and the wind were boisterous. And he started to sink. Then his cry is, save me. I truly believe in this season, our cry is not much, save me as our cry needs to be, command me to come to you on the water. Command me to come to you sickless, free from disease, free from cancers, free from COVID, free from the laws of this land. Command me, Father, to come to you. And I know what the Lord will say, I have already commanded you. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Doubt is the erosion of faith. Doubt is the erosion of faith. When you doubt something, you are eroding your faith immediately. And God has not called us to a season of doubt. He has called us into a lifestyle of great faith. Because the key that I'm going to talk about in a victorious lifestyle today is always live our lives from the eyes of faith. 
I want to share one thing to a dear friend, a mentor that mentored my wife and I many years ago as our senior pastor. Pastor David Malkahos has just passed away and uh, just earlier this week and uh, he had been battling with Parkinson's but uh, lived a long, long life and we just uh, want to lift up his family, Vi, his wife Vi and their whole family. Uh, pastor Dave was a senior pastor and leader of what used to be called Absurd Christian Assembly, and uh, which we, Sharon and I, were a part of that leadership for 17 years. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Dave, uh, Mitch and Bonnie Boros took it over and it's now called Hill Top, Hill City, Hill City. So let's just pray right now for any loved ones that have passed away, because during COVID, you can't have anyone come to the wedding, uh, to the funeral, to the wedding. He's, he's been graduated. So, Father, we just lift up the Malkalos family, all of the friends and family, extended family, the church, Lord God, the many churches and ministries that he spoke into, into our own lives as well. We just honor his life, and we thank you, Father, that he has no more pain. He lives in freedom. There's no disease that has bound him anymore. He has been released and free into heaven and we thank you father be with Vi, his wife of many many years of their whole lives and also all of the extended family in the churches in jesus name amen amen our uh i'm in our fifth key i usually minister this this message that i'm in notes that i'm using in one message but as i was studying it uh these seven keys to a victorious lifestyle each key has become a message now and uh so the first key this is I don't know, five, six weeks ago now, um, was that we must refuse to live with regrets. You have to eliminate regrets in your mind. You can't live with past regrets. We have to learn from them and advance and go past them. Second key was the importance of fellowshipping with one another, genuine believers on a regular basis. That it's important we gather together. It's important that we fellowship together as a family. That's what family does, amen? And that's what's so hard during this season because my core Beliefs are we gather together as family. Uh, verse, uh, key three was doing everything as to the Lord. We have to do everything. Everything that we do and say should be as to the Lord, that we are celebrating him in our lifestyle, in our testimony. The fourth key last week is knowing and following the will of God for our lives. That we need to know his will and follow his will. Many people will know his will and not follow but we need to know his will. That doesn't mean we have the answer of his will immediately. Actually, uh, yeah, the greatest will, his will in all of us, everyone, people come to me and say, Brent, how do I know God's will for my life? I'll tell you what it is, is to intimately and passionately fall in love with him, to worship him day and night. That is the will of God for your life. Because out of that, everything else that you do will follow into line of what you're called to do. The fifth key that I want to talk about today is always live our lives from the eyes of faith where nothing is impossible for God. How many of you truly believe scripture that nothing is impossible for God? Amen. In Luke chapter one, uh, I'm actually going to start earlier than, than verse 37. I think they only have verse 37 because they couldn't, they tried putting in these other verses and the computer crashed. So. Let's start in verse 34 of Luke. This is when angel Gabriel came to visit Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
And, uh, and he had just told her that she was going to conceive a child. How many of us know Christmas is on its way? <laughs> um, anyways, that she was going to conceive a child. She, she has not been married and she has not been with a man. So her, her first question is in verse 34, it sounded really good, but in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? How can this be because I haven't been with a man? I haven't slept with a man. How can I get pregnant? I want to believe what you're saying, but I'm asking you a question, how can it be? And it's not a problem for, for God to ask us to tell us to do something, and we say, how can I do that? Do I have the strength? But you need to know that if God says it, the answer is already there. That whenever God tells us to do something, the answer is already there and provided. It's just waiting for our own understanding to step into the answer. And so verse 35, it says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. He also said in verse 36, Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. How many of us know that she was barren her whole life? She old woman now. Probably in her 90s or 100. Past the point of conceiving. But you see, the angel didn't just come to bring one story of testimony, one good news. He came to bring good news. And that applies. I truly believe that Mary accepted what the angel said immediately. Thus, this other thing is happening. When we hear the voice of the Lord and accept it, it will affect and change others around us. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, is also conceived of a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for, for her who was called barren. Verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. The angel Gabriel said, for with God, nothing will be impossible. How much will be impossible? Nothing. Then I like verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She accepted what the angel who was sent by God, she accepted the word and said, Let it be so. Let it be so. So important in our lives of faith. Accept what he says and then let it be so in my life. In Luke, uh, in Second uh, Corinthians, this is the Apostle Paul, Second Corinthians 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are what? Yes. Are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. You see, all the promises of God are in him already. Every promise that he has given is already in him, and it's in him hungering and desiring to come into you and me. And when this starts to happen in our lives, that all the promises of God are in Him and are yes, and in Him are amen, so that your and my life can live in Him and Him in us. So all that we do is the glory of God to the people.
Jesus talked about the power of prayer, how it can change our circumstances. That's one of the many promises of the Bible, how power of prayer can change our circumstances. Look at Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 22. This is Jesus speaking. Mark 11, starting in 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. You see, any question that comes along, the answer is have faith in God. Any problem that comes along, have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Think of this concept. When you think of it from a physical sense, that you can see a mountain, one of our mountains, let's go, let's go across the border, Mount Baker. And it needs to be removed and cast into the sea. And you do not doubt in your heart, and it happens. Wouldn't that be amazing, miraculous? But what's interesting, God's the creator of all the earth. For him to move a mountain is actually easier than for you and I to build our faith. Because the physical always is dictated by the supernatural. The physical never controls the supernatural realm. It never controls a victorious lifestyle living. Victorious lifestyle living is from the kingdom of God. It's from a life of victory through Jesus Christ. And that means we control the physical. The physical doesn't control us. But when I read this to you, I want, I want this to grasp the concept that maybe it's not just talking physical because that's actually easy for God to do. It was easy for Jesus to comb the seas, but it was very difficult for the disciples to have faith. You see, God can send a mountain away. But it's your free will that he gave to you and me on whether or not we can live in faith. You could have miracle after miracle in front of you and still doubt and still not have faith. And then sometimes we come to a service or a, a, a healing meeting because if we could see a true miracle, we'll believe it. Many times, that is the wrong motive for coming to a service of believers. Because the greatest miracle is not that the person got healed of a physical ailment. The greatest miracle is that you believed before you saw it. Verse 23 again, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Oh, Father God, I pray for more courage and more strength in this season. God, I pray for more. I'm not feeling it. Because you don't have to feel it. You have to believe it. Believing's not feeling. 
But believing will create feelings. But lack of believing, lack of faith will also create feelings. And lack of faith, some of their feelings look like this. Oh, I'm not going to make it. Oh, I can't do it on my own. Oh, my goodness. I'm not wearing one mask. I'm wearing 50 masks. Oh, my goodness. I'll never go out of my house. I'm so scared of this virus. What if COVID kills me? Well, look at the true statistics. If you die of COVID, that's miraculous. Unless, unless, unless you are well over seven, into the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and you have one or two underlying medical issues, you have a high risk. You are a high risk, as you are with the flu, influenza, as you are with many viruses. I'm not saying COVID doesn't kill. One death is too many, and people have died from this, this virus. But I am saying, watch where our faith lies. And if it lies in a mask, then you better wear more masks. If you have a problem with that, just get a hold of Pastor Kevin. Do you understand my heart? The virus is real. It's real. It's a real thing. Whether it was man-made or not, it doesn't matter. It's a real thing. It's killing people. And that is disastrous. I just am asking, where's your faith? 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. 1 John starting chapter 5, starting in verse 14. Now this is what this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is the promise of God. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything in the name of Jesus, if we ask anything in his name, he will hear us. Not maybe, he will hear us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You know, Paul went through many challenges in life, but he always believed and trusted in God's ability to deliver him from all the trials in his life. How many of you know that Paul had some trials in his life? But he had such a transformational experience from Saul to Paul. He had such a a supernatural encounter that his faith against God be turned immediately to the power of the faith for him. That he no longer went after to take out the believers. He actually became a believer to go out and preach the gospel even in areas he was absolutely not allowed to. He still went. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 to 10. This is Paul speaking. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. We don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Don't worry, we had some issues in Asia. Had a little hiccups along the way. There were some problems. And we were even burdened beyond our physical measure, beyond measure. It was like we felt like we couldn't overcome it. It was so heavy of an issue. 
It was beyond even our own strength as a human, as a man to deal with. Beyond measure, it says. Above strength. So that we despaired even of life. We were, we were actually so burdened. It was, it was starting to depress us. And we started crying out, why on earth are we even alive? Verse 9, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves. In other words, put to death anything that is not the mind of Christ. But instead, we should not trust ourselves. Put to death our own understanding. I'm just interpreting, right? Like adding a few things here. We do not trust, should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. See, when, when my earthly fear, I feel burdened, I feel heavy, I feel like, oh God, are you listening? Are you still with me? God, do you love me? You know, God, why is this all happening around us? Put it to death. Kill it. Kill that kind of thought. Because God's the resurrected of the dead. And when you get resurrected, you, you kill that thought pattern. The resurrected is new life, new thoughts, new ways. His way is always perfect. In God who raises the dead, then in verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that He will deliver us. Guess what? There's going to be some tough seasons in life. It's, receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior does not mean you will never have a challenge in your life. There's tough seasons. We're in it. And you know what? When this one ends, probably going to be another tough one's come along at some point in time. I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, but I have to be honest and say, guess what? The tough seasons will keep coming. But how you handle them will decipher on how tough they are in your life. No different than myself when I was out in the Pacific Ocean as a captain and a storm hit and the waves were 20 feet and the winds were blowing 50, 60 knots and I'm crying out, oh God, oh God, if you spare my life from this storm and from this sea, I'll never go to sea again. Two weeks later, I'm back out in the ocean. But then when you hit a bigger storm, and now they're 25-foot waves and 70 knots or 30-foot waves, you see, when you hit another 50 knots of wind with 20-foot seas, it's not so fearful because you know you made it through. You know now how to handle that storm as a captain. I now don't have fear of that storm. Now, a new captain coming in might go, oh my goodness, Brent, let's run back to harbor. Ah, don't worry about it. It's just minor. There's 20 foot, 20 foot seas and 50 knots of wind. And what do you mean it's minor? Don't worry. I've been in this kind of a storm many times before. It'll all be okay. And that new captain has to decide, do I trust this old guy? Do I trust him? Or am I jumping into a lifeboat and paddle it as fast as I can? Guess what? This storm... big is it? 
it's as big as this makes it. Thank God COVID's not leprosy. Because that was a very contagious disease. Thank God that majority of people that get COVID will have mild flu-like symptoms and survive it. How big is the storm? Because even if you're elderly in life with medical issues, or if you died of COVID, or died of influenza, or died in a car accident, or died because lightning struck you, or died because mountains collapsed on you, or died because you're just depressed and you overdosed. Let me tell you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you didn't die. You just got transferred from glory to glory. Oh, your physical body, it came and it went. And I will guarantee you, your physical body will come and it will go. That's what my Bible says. From the dust you were created and back to the dust you will go. Matter of fact, when you die, your earthy body dies, you actually get ugly and stinky. Like more ugly than you are now. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. You guys are all beautiful. Look to your person on your left and say, wow, you are beautiful. Look to the person on your right and say, um, no, no, you're, you're even more beautiful. You see, we have to continually live our life through the eyes of faith. The first thing we need to see is faith first. I felt like when I was in prayer before the service in my office, I felt like uh, the Lord laid on my heart, don't, don't leave it up to your eyes, but let your optic, optical nerve be connected to my, faith, my kingdom for your faith. Don't leave it to eyesight. Let the optical nerve go directly into faith. Because faith is actually not in heaven. Faith is only given for you and me. But God doesn't need faith. Holy Spirit doesn't need faith. The King of kings and the Lord of lords doesn't need faith. They live in truth. They live in truthful understanding of truth. And so when you and I, if you think about it, start to change our mindset and we live in truthful understanding of truth, your faith is no longer needed to that level because truthful understanding always overpowers faith. It just takes faith to get to the truthful understanding of the Lord. Temporary trials and circumstances that we may experience in life, they're already won through the victory of Jesus Christ. Just think of it. This COVID temp uh, trial is already won through Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, you're sick. I'm going to lay hands on you. Oh, uh, social distance. I'll get, I don't know, I'll get a, a piece of wood and touch you. I mean, whatever. If I've picked up AIDS babies in Africa that are dying, infected with AIDS, and the nurses said, don't ever pick that child up, and when they turned away, I picked that little girl up in my arms, and she stunk. It, she was oozing. It felt like a dead, limp body. And the nurses turned back and were just shell-shocked. You should have seen the expressions. They're gloved up to here to carry that little girl. I want to tell you what, AIDS is still real and alive today. Do you remember the fear we all had of it? 
It's still killing people, still a bad disease. But I do not live in the fear of any disease. I live in the fear of the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, who's the overcomer of every disease, every sickness. I didn't get AIDS. Or if I have it, it's completely hidden and it's never showed itself for the last 20 plus years. Jesus Christ. The circumstance, whatever it is, you're, you're having a bad marriage, you're having a bad relationship. Maybe you're trying to have a baby, you're not having one. Whatever relationship, maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're worried about COVID, maybe you're worried about influence, maybe you're worried about getting cancer. Maybe there's been a, a stream of breast cancer in, in, your, in your mom and your grandma and you're worried about it. I want to tell you something. God has already sent His Son, Jesus Christ, onto this earth who died and rose again. And that means there's already a victory over your situation. What Whatever that situation might be. Drug addiction, there's always a victory over that situation right now. Right now. It always has been there since over 2,000 years ago. The victory is there and it's here wherever two or more are gathered in His name. He is with us. The victory is in this room right now over every situation that is wrong in your life. We need to be committed. How do we live in this victory? To be committed by doing what Jesus tells us to do in life. Because when we live this committed lifestyle to Jesus Christ, we will begin to consistently see miracle after miracle after miracle in our life. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm going to read this. Verses of Luke chapter 5. I'm actually going to read verses 1 to 11 for a reason and a purpose. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And so it was as the multitude pressed about him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So these fishermen, two boats with these fishermen, had finished their night of fishing and their nets they were washing, they were cleaning up everything to go home. They were exhausted. They were tired from the night of fishing. Verse, verse 4. Oh, no. No, sorry. Verse 3. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught, taught the multitudes from the boat. You see, Jesus looked for something practical to do. Sometimes to overcome the things around us, there's practical, something practical right in front of us that we reach out for. Verse 4, and when he had stopped speaking, when Jesus stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Can you imagine? You've just finished the night shift and graveyard shift and got nothing. Suck it up, Simon.
Verse 5, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing, not even a fish. This is the most important part. Because the command could have never happened if the anchor of faith was not rooted in the command. God's will in our lives will not happen fully unless our faith is anchored in His will. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. What a great follower. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And so they signaled to the partners, hey, 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 guys, guys, my net's breaking. Guys, 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 come. Don't go home and sleep right now. Come, come, come. The net is overwhelming. It's going to sink us. It's breaking. One, I don't want my net to break. But two, this is like five years of wages right there. Especially if the night before you caught nothing. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at the knees of Jesus Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. See, he admitted he didn't have faith. He admitted, when you told me to put my net down, I actually didn't have the faith to do it. But by your word, I listened. I so many times don't have the faith internally to do some of the things that I've been asked to do by the Lord. But by his word, I'll do it. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, they left all their nets and all their boats behind, and they followed Jesus. When we live a life of faith, we will always see God moving on our behalf. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. If what he's saying is that in your own understanding, you can't even trust the Lord with your heart. Let's all stand. Listen as I conclude here. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The explanation of that scripture when you open it up is that with your own understanding, you can't you can't trust him with all your heart. You have to lose your understanding. Your understanding can't even grasp the concept of the level of trust we're to have for Jesus. How do we lean not on our own understanding? In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. We have one life on this earth. This one life makes a difference for eternity. 
You have a call. You have a purpose. No matter what age you are, you have been called with a purpose and a destiny. To not always need the faith for what God wants you to do, but have such a great faith in Him that He provides everything you need to accomplish His will on this earth. That's your destiny. A relationship, an intimacy through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, by the power of the Holy Spirit to have that relationship with Father, God, the Creator of all things, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning from the end. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So instead of your eyes having to see it, just let that, what is that cord back here? I said it earlier. Your optic nerve. Your eyes don't have to see, but let your optic nerve attach directly through the mind of Christ Jesus in us into the supernatural realm into his kingdom come and his will be done. And by this, you will obtain a good testimony. You see, faith isn't just for you. It's so you can obtain a good testimony to be preaching the gospel through the power of your testimony to the others around us. I feel in my heart as I conclude call the prayer team up here. I feel in my heart that some of us need a little more infusion of faith. Maybe you're watching on TV right now, online. Maybe you're in this building. Maybe you're in the satellite church. If you feel like you just need a little bit more faith, don't worry. Governmental elections should never increase or decrease your faith. Faith has to be centered into the true government of our Father God. And so I ask today, Lord God, that whatever maybe has pulled us away from victorious living lifestyle of victoriousness in us. Maybe maybe it's worry. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it is, I ask, Lord God, that we no longer have to see the answer with our eyes right now, but we take that optic nerve and we plug it straight into your presence. That our mind's eye will begin to see the victory, the celebration, of the heaven. The angels dance and the angels sing. The victory of Jesus Christ. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Him we put our trust. Not on a medical system. Not on a government of this earth. But in you, Father God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, in you we put our trust. 
we will abide by the laws of the land. But I will say one thing for certain, Lord God, I have already made a decision in my mind that my ultimate laws are right here on these pages. And no one can ever tell me not to worship you, Father. <laughs> I will speak of your goodness in the middle of a storm. I will get out of the boat and walk to you, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. I will walk to you when the waves are contrary. Because the waves of this earth will not dictate my faith. But the wind of the Holy Spirit. The wind in the Word. The wind in the Word. The wind word. That's <laughs> the whole reason this ministry is called wind word. So wind of the Holy Spirit breathed on the word of God. That I will put my trust in. Because you, Father, are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is not the only pandemic you have ever seen on this earth. But I know, Lord God, we have great medical doctors. Even our leaders and prime ministers, I pray for them, Father. We pray for the wisdom of you, Father, to empower them to make wise decisions. We ask, oh Lord, south of the border and all the confusion of the presidential election, we pray, let your wind blow contrary to the waves of this earth. Pray for Dr. Bonnie Harris. That you will give her wisdom. Pray that she has an encounter. Our whole medical, everyone has an encounter of your victorious presence. I ask, Lord God, that our leaders would see that the last thing you would ever want to shut down in a pandemic would be the church. Matter of fact, I wish the hospitals would ask us to come and lay hands on the people, on the sick, and see them recover. Because God, you are the best physician ever. <laughs> You're number one in my life. I have a great doctor, but it's sad to say he's number two, but he's a good believer, so he'll be happy. Because God, you are number one. In you, I put my trust. I pray a cleansing of our minds right now in Jesus' name. Cleansing of our thoughts in Jesus' name right now. Any fear, any depression, go in Jesus' name. You do not belong here in this house or in this family in any way. Sicknesses and diseases, just go in Jesus' name. Be healed now. Thank you, Father. As the 24 elders throw, those, throw down their crown. Holy, holy, holy. Every minute of the day, every single day of the year, every year of the decade, and every decade of the century, they are crying and throwing their crowns down. Holy, holy, holy is the 
lamb who was slain, worthy to be slain. As we conclude this service, cry out in your spirit right now, holy, holy, holy is the lamb who was worthy to be slain. Because he died so you could have freedom. celebrate as we get closer to Remembrance Day all the men and women who died so we could have freedom. Not so we could be locked down healthy. <laughs> you realize we're the first time in history that people are being locked down that are healthy. Usually you're isolated because you're sick. Guess what, though? Jesus, in this house, in many houses around this world, have called you and me history makers.